Jackie Potato with Tuna and Sweet Corn for breakfast. Because it was, it was, um, so basically, I got a flat tyre this morning. Right. And, uh, I had to, my mum dropped me to the station and I'd gone to hers to sort some stuff out and I was like, I'm starving. I'm, I've been to the gym in the morning, I still hadn't eaten. And uh, I was, I had a Jackie Potato yesterday and now I'm like, sort of like in a Jackie Potato frenzy where, and then I said to my mum, you got any Jackie Potato? And she was like, yeah. And so, um, so she made me a jacket potato at like 11 a.m. Nice. Which was really nice. Do you know what? So, I haven't had a jacket potato for ages. Mate, um, it's, it's a, I think it's like a very underrated meal. And it's just a good, easy lunch. But I had it for breakfast. But you had it for breakfast. Yeah. I mean, it's lunch at some, somewhere in the world. You know, it's five o'clock somewhere. Exactly. Do you know what I always associate jacket potatoes with? What? Um, you remember like when you were at school and you always had after that, like like after school clubs, whether it be swimming oh, or yeah. like dancing or whatever, that always used to be a like go-to meal between. Mum would be like, John, drink potato with cheese and beans. Yeah. See, I, I don't really like the cheese and beans option. I will go for either, oh, I'm a fishy guy, I guess. I like tuna, tuna mayo with sweet corn or like, you know, have you ever like prawn mayonnaise on the jack of potato? <laughs> I haven't. I'm a bit... Do you know what? I've got this thing about prawns lately. What happened? Somebody said to me that they're the cockroaches of the sea. I did, yeah, maybe, I guess. But what, are they that dirty? I don't know. They're, they're in the water. They've been washed. Yeah, that's true. It's like a real, you know? But do you know which ones I don't like? The really little tiny things. I'm like, that's not even a prawn. Yeah, the little baby... The what tiny, is that? Yeah, it's kind of silly, but... That doesn't... It's just nothing. <laughs> I like a good prawn. I like all foods. Yeah, I tell you what, I did used to really like a Greg's prawn cocktail again. Unbelievable! Yeah, that's yeah. great. See, I would eat that. I'm a great. I'm a sausage roll man. I'm a great sausage sausage roll, or the they do the chicken barbecue baguette. The Greg's is a go-to thing when you're in in the UK going to gigs. Yeah, because you'll go up and down the country. Those shitty service stations. Do you know? What? Yeah, I saw, was always there. I saw this post the other day. I was an American. Uh, media out there, I can't remember who it was now, and they put, tell me what, tell me what country you're from without telling me what country you're from, and then, so I was like, all these people putting like random things, and some put, great, yes, yes, easy, <laughs> I wonder where you're from, 100%, it's the, the most British thing ever, it is the most British thing ever, it's, it's, great, it's a tourist attraction now, yeah, yeah, it's always actually probably mega, there's always like a big queue, there's always a bit of excitement when we walk into Greg's, I think, yeah, like, if you've got it in the morning, if they've just got oh. it out of the oven as well. Oh, oh. British <laughs> Love that sausage roll. Yeah. Who was that guy we were talking about? Oh, we did that last interview, the Bosch guy. Bosch. Uh, well, there's two people, actually. There's Tom Skinner, who, do, who, who Bosch beds, who does Bosch beds. I think I told you, I bought these beds. Have you got it? Yeah, I've, I've seen one at home. It's great. And how does it feel? It's, my, mine's a, a memory foam one. Because of travelling, my back, it just feels like a question mark. So I see on a memory foam in Bosch bed, bed, and it's unreal. If you go to put it in that and go, Bosch, yeah. I mean, it's actually got a Bosch sign on the side of it. I mean, only when you take off all of the layers, but yeah. But I, because he actually does do beds for like cheaper than Dreams or places like that. So it works. Tom Skinner got me. 
Wait, isn't Bosch also like a, a it's like a hoop machine? Yeah, like a four hoovers and stuff like that. It's like it's like Dyson. Is it the same brand? No. Oh, because that's B O S C H. This is a German Bosch. Bosch. Or there's the other guy. Have you heard of Big John? Is he the one that sits with the Chinese? No. Oh. Who's the guy who's his coffee? No, I think I'm getting confused now. Who's the guy that has his English breakfast number one at the cafe? That's Tom Skinner. That is Tom Skinner. Yeah, that's that. He's the one who he runs out loads. He started Bosch gyms. He started loads. But then there's another guy called Big John, who I'm quite a fan of. Who he he's famous for eating Chineses. He's sadly like Chinese, Bosch, like absolutely loves it. Is he British? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The most British geezer you would ever see. So and both of them are. And what does he show you? He just shows you his Chinese, what his order is, <laughs> and like every time he has it. And now he's become this like. Instagram TikTok sensation where like he'll do appearances as Big John but what could we do? We could do a prawn cocktail break. Prawn <laughs> I don't know what our slogan would be. Prawns. <laughs> Good chats. <laughs> Let me work the real the real plant she's got. Yep. Good. Just been growing for many years that plant. Homegrown. It's homegrown. Home we see what you take there. So how are you? All good. Besides, I went flat tired this morning. Uh, but plus, I had a jacket potato. Um, I don't think that's a negative though. I think that was a winner of a start of the day. hundred percent. Yeah, no, I'm doing really good. I actually feel I feel great. I've had the past like last been very very busy, but good busy. Like um, it's been a crazy sort of year. Um, just been enjoying it, and um, yeah, it's like it's. I feel like you have a lot of reflection when you come to the end of the year, and it's like. I feel good at the moment, like... That so. was, like, my actual first question, anyway. Oh, okay. Like, I was, I was just literally going to say to you that now that we're coming to the end of the year, mm. and you look back... Because you have been non-stop, and, and, and everyone's seen how many things you're doing and how, yeah. how much you've grown. Yeah. Now, when you look back on it, how do you feel when you reflect on everything that's happened in the last 12 months? Felt good. Like, it's, it's been great. It's, it's like... I feel like I've just figured out what it takes and what it is like and what you have to do to be a DJ. Like, when you're younger and you're first getting into the industry, you just think, oh, I'm just going to turn up and play these music here and people are going to love it. And, like, it's just going to be sick and that's all I'm going to have to worry about. Yeah. But it's like there's so much more to it and, like, it's so much on your body. Like, like it's, like, it's the cliche thing of, oh, oh, DJ, you can't really complain as a DJ because it's such a good life, but, like, you have to really look after yourself. And obviously, like, temptations in the industry is so much drink involved, things like that. Like, really starting to look after yourself and actually think, oh, I'm gonna, if I'm going to do this for a long time, I've got to start taking it sort of seriously. And that's yeah. been this year where it's actually felt like, oh, this is my career now. I never thought I was going to be a DJ. It just sort of happened. And, like, so, like, looking back now, I'm proud. I'm very proud of the things that, some of the things I've achieved. Um... I'm, I'm like, I was super tired after the summer. Um, but I don't know, it, 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 the year before, I feel like I struggled more because I was first getting into the industry. And you're just learning the ropes and you're trying to impress everyone. Like me, I'm a people pleaser. So Same. you're constantly trying to impress everyone to get further in the industry. And then now it feels like I've kind of like really set myself up in a good way. And like, I've got my, my brand that's working really well and loads of things that are going on with it. Um, and I feel just in a good position, but knowing that there's still so much more to achieve, which is exciting. Mm. So um, all in all, I'd say, yeah, I'm sort of, I think you have to be a, a bit proud of yourself because it's like, 
yeah, it was some some things of um, a bit. You should be very proud. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the feed, the feeder. I'd say. Yeah, I'm actually kind of proud of myself, but no, I'm excited for the next years because there's stuff that's coming and ideas that are happening that are taking things to another level and are pushing my own boundaries. I love it when you can feel like you're actually always stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit yeah trying to get better and better but yeah all in all this year's been amazing uh, it's definitely the busiest i've ever been yeah yeah that's what that's what i mean you, you have literally been everywhere and yes. summer was non-stop and there's some there's DJs who are a lot busier than me which is it's so impressive but um yeah like that that side of it just being really busy as, as a dj you have to actually just be grateful for it yeah as much as, okay, every job can be hard and tiring, but if the hardest part about my job, I would say, is that you just get tired and there's a lack of sleep. There's loads of jobs to do that, exactly. like a cleaner or something. You know what I mean? So, yeah, proud and grateful, I would say, to tell us yeah. about. Let's rewind a little bit and just go back to Rebind. Um, and just go back to your beginnings and how you started out. And I would, I always start the podcast just talking a little bit about how people have started their career yeah. and... What is it for you? Where did your love for music come? Did you grow up around music? How how did it all kind of come into place? Just, I mean, I think, yeah, I, I would say, like, I, I definitely grew up around listening to music because my dad is just a, a massive music fan. Like, even last week, he'll drive me to the airport sometimes if, uh, just if, if I can't get the train off, something's wrong, or I don't want to get a cab, he's a nice enough dad that he'll take me to the airport. Um, and he'll always put on something like, oh, you should do a remix to this, or da, 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 oh, listen to this, yeah. or listen to Wings, or Phil Collins. Like, he's always got this buzz of music, and I think that just came in, came into me, and I just got that buzz off him. Like, he was always playing things in his car, and he had the Motown CDs when we went on holiday, so I would know words to songs of old school Marvin Gaye, things like that, like, when I was really young, and like, I just, it, I think I just got this knowledge of music from him, like a palette of just different styles, um, which I never really knew until later in my life that it would become quite valuable. Because yeah. I think all of that gave me a knowledge of just understanding music and having a rhythm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I've always known that I've had rhythm and things like that. And then as I got older, I was, I, became, I was an actor before I was a DJ, and, uh, and I used to do musical theatre. And some people now know this, even though I've said it before, but from the age of eight until I was like 18, I, w- I was an actor and I wanted to be like... So that's quite a long time, big period of your life. Yeah, like at the age of eight, I was in Mary Poppins in the West End in London um, as Michael Banks, the little kid. I didn't know that after that. Yeah, I got, I got, I had, a, there was an open audition and my choir teacher at my school said, Ross can sing, uh, Ross is mine, we should take him to an open audition. And then after like extensive amounts of auditioning, I ended up getting a part in it. And um, so wow. then in, I was in London, uh, three shows a week from the age of eight. And then I went into Lane as a Rub, the musical. And then I went into uh, Oliver, a stodger, with like Rowan Atkinson and, and people like that. So I was performing and doing all of that stuff from quite a young age. Um, and in that, I was having to sing and things like that. Maybe that hasn't, I haven't sang in a lot of my songs, but I guess it made me quite in tune with music. Wow. Had to, yeah, so... That was like the earliest stage of my life, and then. Do you miss doing that? Yeah, bits and bobs. Like if ever I'll still go see plays or musicals. Uh, my girlfriend's in musicals and stuff like that. And like when I when I go see different shows and stuff like that, like I get a buzz off of wanting to to be on the stage again. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like 
um, you do always miss that. But the industry is completely different. Um, and I sort of fell out of love with it after a while because okay. you can be the best actor in the world, but if your eyes aren't blue, not, or they might be able to change out of the day, but if you're not wrapped to the part, you just won't get it. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, it's down for someone else to say no. Mm. And you can be sick at your job. Whereas as a DJ, I started to see that you can just work really, really hard at what you do. Yeah. And it, it will come off. Um, and how does compare... How can you compare being on the stage? How does compare? How can you compare like being on the stage as an actor to going behind the decks in a DJ booth? Pretty similar. Very, okay. I'd say pretty similar because it's all performative. Like, and I'd say that's why maybe I started to do well as a DJ because I wasn't afraid of performing in front of a crowd and connecting with a crowd, and I wasn't camera shy and things like this. So all the things that I'd learned, which I didn't think would actually help me, learned from being an actor actually ended up helping me as a DJ because this comfortability of performing in front of people just came, was coming out. And so I was finding people in crowds were like very uh, responsive with me and mm. I wasn't afraid to interact with them and stuff like that. And like, it all started to really help me, which I didn't realize it would. And so it is, it's not too dissimilar actually. Mm. Uh, people think, how does an actor become a DJ? But that's, it's all ent entertainment at the end of the day. Wasn't there another DJ that was in Oliver with you? There wasn't a DJ who was in Oliver with There's a guy who works here, where we are now. What's his name? Um, okay. Os I think it's Oscar. He yeah. works here uh, at, ju yes. at Jukebox. Yeah. And basically he that was... That was it. That was the story. Yeah, yeah. he was in... Well, uh, so I was at... I can't remember where it was. Maybe I was in the middle of... Was it SXN? Yeah, that's it. Was it SXN? And yeah. we were there yeah. together. And he came up to me and he was like... Ross, da, da, da. I couldn't remember where I saw this guy's face. And yeah, he was in he was in my gang. So as in odd Dodgers, he was in the, the gang I was in. So um wow, he now works cool. in the music industry. So yeah, I, I get odd people randomly. I had a guy message me on Instagram the other day saying about his kids' TV show that I used to be in. He said, Oh, I want this on DVD. And I was like, What? On DVD? Yeah, I was like, yeah, odd. Yeah. But yeah, it but it's quite odd because it does sort of feel like a sort of lifetime away or a completely different life does it because as i was such a desperate person as an actor you all you all what you do you are, mean a desperate person as an actor? you're desperate in every sense of the word because you're so desperate to get a part mm. well the good actors aren't desperate i would say that like you're so desperate for approval because you hear no all the time you're desperate in wherever you are because you think steven spielberg is going to walk around the corner and offer you a part if you look cool enough like you're constantly on the edge of like and you're constantly in between jobs. I'm working a job that you might not want to. I worked at a call center. I worked at Snog, the frozen yogurt shop. I've done Deliveroo. All to try to fund this acting career when I, I worked very much as a child. Very much. <laughs> I worked a lot as a child. And then it gets to an age where you're a young, you're a young boy who's hit puberty very late. <laughs> uh, so you're not old enough to... You're, you're not old enough to play like leading man, mm. but you're not young enough anymore to play a kid because your voice is broken and things like that. So you go through a very weird stage where you're, you're quite uncastable. Wow. So, and really, I guess going back to what you were saying before, where at the end of the day, if you're not the part, you're not the part. Yeah. I guess moving into the, to the music industry and becoming a, D, a DJ, producer, artist, mm. I guess the difference is you have that space to, to, well, not space, you have to be yourself and you're the person that creates 
Yeah, you're creating your own you're, part, let's say. Because yeah. some people like think Clapton, they create a persona and then they go and do it and that's how they do it. Or some people, like myself, kind of give a bit of themselves, but you also hold a bit of yourself away from it. Like, yeah. like people in the industry know me as Rossi, but like, all my mates back at home son, is Ross. Yeah. And if people call me Rossi, do a what? Like some, it's, it's clicked in now because now most people know me as Rossi. But at first, you sort of do see it a little bit like a persona because... When you get on that stage and you're performing and stuff like that, and or even when you're networking in the industry, it's like sort of like you see oh, I've got a Rossi hat on a little bit. Yeah, it's not, but you're not. I never change myself as a person, but it's that well, yeah, performing in nature. But what's different to the acting world is that you're molding and building your own part, really, it, as a DJ. As a DJ, and people will follow it if they want to, and if they don't, they won't. You know? Yeah. And, uh, but I found that much easier. And maybe so the acting world taught me a lot and made the DJ world. And I was just obsessed with it. Okay, so where did the DJing part come from? So, okay, the long story, I guess, is I was sat on a train um, and uh, I was next to a guy who had his laptop out, funny enough like that. And he was using virtual DJ, which is what most DJs or anyone will use when they first start. And I just literally thought it was cool. And I, I asked him what it was told me, got home, downloaded it, and then literally, that's where the obsession begins, like, I was always the kid who had, like, you remember sending music via Bluetooth? Yeah, of course. Uh, things like that. Yeah. I was a kid with all loads of tracks, and I'd send, <laughs> oh, have you got this track? Send it infrared, Bluetooth, like, all of that at school. And so, yeah, when I was just chilling, I, I would just get music that I thought was cool and try and mix it together, I mean, Dizzy Rascal or Madonna. But then even still, my dad was a big fan of, when I was younger, Head Candy. Ah. And here we go, it's like El Divino's in Ibiza, things like that. And so, like, I had this knowledge of, like, head candy and old defective that then when I started mixing and just trying to mix in my room, I would just get all the songs that my dad liked and just try and mix them together. Or any of my dad's mates like this song, I would start mixing them. And then it just sort of became this small, fun thing on the side of anything else I did that I started investing in. So... I got myself a pair of decks and I, my first gig, well, not as a professional DJ, was my cousin's 18th. And I turned up with these shitty speakers and just my laptop and I played the whole night, but it was sick. And I just then gradually started doing 16ths and weddings and all of that, getting a proper pair of decks. So then... how old were you at this point? Maybe 17, Okay. It was when I went to, bo- I went to boarding school when I was 16. So, which is a performing arts school. Before then, I hadn't. So in I thought, the UK? In the UK, in a place called Tring. Um, and uh, I, at that point, remember just on my sort of time at boarding school, like just mixing in my room. My roommate Sammy would be like, oh, he's obsessed with this thing. So it was always this thing on the side. And I was still working as an actor at that point. But then as I started to get older, I realised you could make a lot of money from just DJing people's weddings and things like that. So that started to become my funding for my acting career. Mm. It, but it was fun. But then the more I got no's from acting jobs, the more I was obsessed with going home and, and mixing. And then I started to learn how to produce because someone said to me, if you want to be a DJ, you need to start making your own tracks. Um, so I was just, then that was the new obsession. Yeah. Was making the track. Making the I was like, and I, once I hit 18, I started going raving and I go to Fabric and watch Craig Richards or listen to uh, dance tripping TV and just watch stuff like that and when I'm in between all that my dad took me to Ibiza for the first time when I was like 16, 17 
and I just then had this obsession with Ibiza because my dad sort of passed the bat on, on to me a bit. I love that. that you were, so your dad used to go raving before and Ibiza, well, you yeah. said he'd gone to El Domino and stuff. Yeah, he did, well, yeah. Did you say he'd taken you to music on before? Yeah, that was my first, my first, um, my first ever music on, my dad took me. Well, then my dad and, uh, uh, yeah, a couple friends of his, and it was like, I was so young, I had not, sorry, that's my fault, let me tell you. I had no <laughs> idea who Marco Corolla was at the time. Like and it, so it was this all, would have been what two thousand fifteen? Uh, uh, maybe that, maybe two thousand. It was the second ever year of music on. I reckon music on, and I mean, in I'd be for start it's like two thousand twelve, maybe two thousand eleven. Yeah, so it would have like been. 13. It probably would have been two thousand yeah twelve or thirteen. Um, I remember walking into Amiga like wow, and then I had this sort of obsession after that night, like and just seeing I'd be for for the first time, like. This is so cool. Like, I remember going to Zoo Project. My sister was there as well. I went to Zoo Project with my sister. And I, I like, this is such a cool thing. And then that really got me into sort of raving. And then I became, on the side of everything else I was doing, I just liked going raving if yeah. I could. And then on the side of it all was like making music and raving. But I never thought I'd be a DJ. You did it. wasn't the plan. It was not the plan. I, I, I wanted to be Lil Under Caprio. Like, <laughs> I wanted to be... Or yeah. just, a, a, just a really respected actor in the industry. I really wanted to do it. It was all I'd ever dreamed and trained for. Um, and then it was like this thing where I just had this obsession. I'd go, every time I got a no from an audition, I'd go home and I'd be on a train or, or somewhere and I'd just make music. I'd, I'd never done a lesson or anything. I just would go out and listen to stuff and try to replicate it and try to figure out how to make it in the box on Ableton. Mm. And I'd start... Then once I started raving, I started meeting people, and then I got my first gig, which was at Cargo in Connect at, for a party called Connected. This guy called Jesse James gave me my first gig. I remember I gave him a C a CD of my mix, which says Ross McCormack DJ bar mitzvahs, weddings, all this stuff, and he's the first thing he said to me was like, "Take that off!" Like uh, that's not what people in the music industry looking to you for. But okay, but he listened to the mix and then. He basically gave me my first gig, but on the on the premise that I was going to sell tickets, and then that's how you did it. Yeah, you would just turn up, try to sell tickets okay. as much as you can, see if you can get into it. And I did. I would just sell tickets to all my mates. I'd even put in extra money and pretend I'd sold more tickets, so he would book me again. So essentially, you're paying to play. Yeah. But I was just once I had that first gig. I remember I played on the terrace. There's a terrace out the back of Cargo, which in this summer must have been the summer of 2016. Like, the terrace out of cargo was, like, hopping. It was great. But I was just doing all the warm-ups. And then over summer, I was just doing three or four connected parties in the terrace and then at cargo. And then I started playing, like, Lightbox. I was just a London DJ. Um, and then, on yeah, the side of it, that's when I started making music. And I dared to start playing my music in my own sets. I remember the first time I ever played one of my songs. It was called Track A. <laughs> and uh, it was nice. at... at, at uh, nice. And uh, yeah, easy. Um, and it was a light box, and I but I remember hearing a reaction going, Oh, fucking hell, wow, that's cool. Did it pop off? It, did, it didn't pop off, but some people like whistled, and like there was a bit yeah. of a you got a little bit of something, and I was like, That was the taste. I was like, Oh, that's such I never realized how special that was. That was like getting an applause as an actor or something, like, yeah. or a laugh. Um, so I think just. 
I was just sending music to different producers and asking for feedback and just figuring out if I could ever get a release. That was like my goal. I just wanted a release. Did you know me DJs personally? Did you have DJ friends? From from mixing, yeah. So I started meeting early on like Casey Spillman or like I had loads of DJs, young DJs in the industry who were just mates and then I didn't really know any big DJs at the time, like um they were, like I, I, my Hamza was working my manager. Um, who I started working with down the line, but he was actually tour manager in Second City. So I was giving my music to Hamza to show him, and he was giving me loads of feedback, um, which actually helped me a lot. So that's how I was kind of figuring out if I could make something. And then there's a guy called Joe. Was it? What's his name? I can't remember. What's his central name? Is it Wheeler? Joe Wheeler. Joe, who's Joe? So. He, oh, this is so bad if I've got his second name. We can cut this out. No, it's not. It's not. He won't mind. But he, he's, he, I sent him like a snippet of a song uh, and then he ended up saying, oh, I want to sign it to my label. I'm starting a label called Modular Records in Scotland. And I was like, oh my God, like, oh God, someone wants to sign my track. And then, yeah, and then from there, it, that's when the snowball really started to become a thing. And I actually, that's when I'd say there, there was the moment where the career started happening because after that, that got released and... Jamie Jones was the first person to play it at Cap of Future, and the person, the nice. person who gave it to Jamie was Esther, who's on the next ship. Yeah, who's, on who's the coming next in in a minute. Weirdly enough, so I always thank Esther because she was one of the person. Hamza sent it to Esther, I think. Or no, maybe Esther just plucked it out. I don't think Hamza sent it to her because I was fascinated as to how he got it because it was on vinyl only. I was like, how has he got this song? And she found it. And it was Esther, yeah. Um, wow. So I thank Esther a lot for that. And he played it at Kappa Future, like 10,000 people, and it went off. And from there... Sorry, how did you know that it had been played at Kappa Future? Casey Spillman called me. Casey called me and said, you better go on Jamie Jones. I've told this story in an interview, but it doesn't matter. Um, um, Casey called me and said, you better go on Jamie Jones' story. Um, uh, and I didn't know why, and I sort of skipped past my own song, and I said, oh, yeah, them tunes are good. And he said, yeah, you're true. And I went, my tune? He said, have you not seen the... I was like, oh, go back on. And then I just saw this unbelievable video of Jamie dropping it um, into just 10,000 Italians, and I was like, whoa. And I could not believe it. Like, that was that was the first, like, whoa. Moment. Jamie Jones is playing the song. Like, wow. Like, that was just... And I was like, how has that happened? And I think that that, that that thing kept keeps coming up in my career. I keep asking, even today when you ask me, like, oh, how do you feel about shit? I, always, I just think, how's it happened? Do you? It, yeah, definitely. I've, I get a lot of imposter syndrome because I just think, wow, it's just, how have I just suddenly become a DJ? And now, from the, yeah, say if you fast forward, now I play on my nuts with Jamie and so I was just all these say, things, like, labels and things like that. So it's like, from a little kid who just, had this obsession with music and was just trying to make music that he thought he could replicate someone else's sound or or make it. I never even thought I'd make my own sound. And then fast forward to now, like it's it's fascinating. It's it's really uh, it does blow blow me away because I go, I'm so lucky. One of the things that you did this year was play All Night Long at Fabric, which was in April. Yeah. What was that like? Obviously, being from London, yeah. growing up in London, starting out as a London DJ, to yeah. then, and obviously raving yeah. a lot at Fabric, to all of a sudden doing All Night Long, yeah. start out with Fabric. That was like, I'd say, yeah, the, the biggest thing I've ever done, and like the biggest thing that blew me away so far, maybe in my career, there's a couple of things, but that, like, 
it because it was fabric is is something that's as thick as that. Fabric is a, a club that's really close to home because weirdly enough, I had at the start I knew the owner old owner quite well. I won't say his name, but um, I would always go to Fabric. Fabric was like the first London club I was always going to because the owner would just say, "If ever you want to go, just let me know." And if I was at a party somewhere, I'd, I'd call them up second and go Fabric, and I'd watch Seth Chopstar, Craig Richards, uh, Alexis Cabrera, like all just these mad eyes, or or I'd go and not even know who the DJs were, and I'd just stroll around, flexing for room three, room one that night. I just I loved it. Like it was like the and at that time, Fabric Saturdays was the thing, yeah, and Fridays was drum and bass. It was like all. It's not like it is now, and it was just you would you would go on a Saturday. It wouldn't matter; it would always be busy, and it just was. You could just turn up and not worry about it, and it was great. And so then, when when there was a chance that I could do it all night long, I was so nervous. Wait, yeah, because the the idea of like Hamza pushed me into it. That's why I respect Hamza because Hamza's like Hamza is a good manager because he's pushed me into decisions that I thought I wasn't ready for. So even let's be, I'll be honest with everyone. Six or seven months before, maybe even longer, the idea of the all night long came around. I was going, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know if I have the maturity to play a seven hour set at Fabric. Like, oh, I don't even know. I think Fabric was on the cards at first. It was somewhere else. Yeah, I don't, it was just an idea of doing an all night long. And then I'd done a really good set at Fabric earlier the last year. Yeah, last year um, in room two. It was really busy and went very, very well. Um, and then from then, Edis was like, we want to bring you back to Fabric. Uh, and then Hamza just said, why don't we do it all night long? And so Hamza was like, you should do it. He was like, it's, it's the time when people were asking for, people on Twitter were going, when's a Rossi all night long happening? So it was like working out in time. So we thought, fuck it, we'll just go for it. And originally it was meant to be in room two, but it's it, like the tickets were flying so quickly that after a couple of weeks, Edis was like, you've already sold out room two. He was like, it's going to be so busy. You know, we'll do it room one. one. And that was like even more like, oh holy fuck. God. So then it was like, I'm playing room one fabric on my own. And then, yeah, and then it sold out. So on the on the night we'd found out, it just before going in, walking in, to Hamza's called me and said, it's sold out, by the way. It's like, wow. So I was like... Does that make you even more nervous knowing that it's sold out? Uh, yeah, I guess because I've, I thought I, w- I was more nervous to sell the tickets because I was like, fucking hell, like, how, is that many people going to really want to come and see me in London? Funny. Nice yeah, <laughs> and then I was, then I was like, right, you've got to do it. Like, you've got to actually, like, and you've got to give them a good night because you could have an all night long and it'd be really shit and people are very unforgiving these days. People will post about a set if it's not good and say that set was shit. So it's like, you have that in the back of your mind when you're sat in your room at home going, what okay. have they said? What do I play <laughs> before the gig? Do you know what I mean? And I, I overprepared for that. I had so much music, and then, but as soon as I mix the first tune, oh, yeah, yeah, as soon as we, it's always like that. It's like this. You go into this bubble when you're behind the decks, and then, yeah, it was. It went better than I thought it ever would, and the crowd were unreal. And I, also, it was a massive like thank you to anyone who knew me from when I was younger as a DJ because they all came. Oh, so that's many people amazing. from like, I love that. yeah, so many people from back in the day, like big groups of friends who I'd done parties with or DJ with. Like everyone, came, everyone came and like really showed support and like bought tickets and stuff like that. You're right there. Sorry, my mic froze. It's yeah. falling off. Um, 
everyone had bought tickets and come and decided to like show support. And it was just like, that was a really special, special feeling. But yeah. it was amazing. It was. It no, was. I was just going to say, I love hearing stories about DJs that have like raved in a certain uh, city or a certain club yeah. and then actually go and, and like play in that club. It just yeah. must be an incredible feeling. Yeah, it was so weird. It was so weird being in room one playing for that long. And I was just like, how is this again? How has this happened? I remember being like over there watching Sex Shops up and standing there watching all these people and like seeing Jamie in that booth, like, just like, I, I, you always imagine like, I guess when you first start getting into it, well, what would you play if you were, if you were playing at peak time at Fabric? And then you're in that moment going, fucking hell, what am I gonna play? Um, but it, it was all good and like, I, I played, I think I was very proud of myself for playing how I did, it was really good and, yeah, it was it was a mind blowing night, and it really that was enough, the most recent biggest step up, I would say. I think it really showed people the level of what I can do, yeah. and like also like giving you a bit of headline status. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which is a hard thing to start achieving in the industry. So, yeah, I, I, I thank everyone for that night because it was one of the best nights of my life. I think my 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 life's nights nice of it was one of the best nights of my life. Yeah, definitely. Another thing that I wanted to touch upon was um, Glastonbury. Because it was your first time actually even going to Glastonbury. Yeah, have you ever been? Oh my God, don't even talk to me about Glastonbury. Why? Because I didn't get my ticket last week. Oh. I was so upset. I had alarms on. I got all my oh, friends. And like, some of my group friends got through and mine didn't. So I'm, I'm in, I was in such because yeah, I, I know I know loads of people who got in this year and like, like a lot of people who didn't as well. But like that was me last year. No, this year. Was it this year? Yeah. That was me this year. I applied. Me and Hamza applied. And then I just played. Yeah. Well, then <laughs> it was sort of. It was yeah. It was a. Uh, it was amazing, and it was also a bit of who you know, because yeah. because basically I knew I hadn't got a ticket, and so I started messaging around people who were promoters. Uh, and knowing who does stages at Glastonbury saying I really want to come just I was like I just want a ticket I just, can anyone help me out and then uh, Ollie Ryder hit me up Ollie Ryder who, who does a lot of amazing parties in Manchester and just said do you want to play my stage yeah and I was like play I was like I just wanted a ticket and he was like no he was like, come and play the stage I was like no way so I was like oh, wow I'm going to play at Glastonbury and just it in general, it, it's a phenomenal place. It's like it's like Disneyland for adults, and you can just be exactly who you want to be, whatever age you are, whatever you look like, whatever you stand for. You can experience Glastonbury in your own way. Like we were doing beekeeping at one point, and then going and <laughs> seeing like this cosplay in a, a, a forest, and then. Suddenly you're at watching Loyal Connor and then you're going to watch like Elton John. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it was just such a everyone's so happy on a happy vibe. And like the set, I was thinking, bro, I've got a gig of Glastonbury, but I was like, no one's really going to be at my stage in the grand in the grand scheme of big. There's loads of artists yeah. there, and there's, there's so loads of stages. so many. There's always something going on. And I was closing the, this place called the Flying Bus, um, and I just was wondering if anyone was actually going to be here. It was framed. Was it? Yeah, absolutely rammed. I was so, oh, I love, it was just another another one where I was just so grateful. And uh, yeah, it was a morning where I was like, man, I just played at Glastonbury. But also, just the whole experience of it as a person, I would I would highly recommend to anyone. 
that first day at Glastonbury, I didn't have a gig that, that as a set that day, but it was one of the happiest days of my life. Oh, just walking wow. around, the sun was out. That's a statement. Yeah, it really was. We, me, me, I was with Casey and Hamza. I keep talking about Casey and Hamza in this podcast. <laughs> but, um, that means they're a very important yeah, part of your career. They are. They are and like, I love that. And I we, love yeah, we just had a very special day together. And then the ho- just the whole day, it never rained. And just, yeah, it was it, it was a bit hot at times. Like when you're waking up in your tent at 9am and the heat's blaring. I mean, that's the absolute piece yeah, of the rain, though. All I've heard is that, like, if it rains, it does ruin it a little bit. Apparently. Yeah, so, but yeah, I'm, I think, fingers crossed, I think I'm going back this year. Sorry to annoy you. I went away for resale and then just, I, I don't know, I need to find a way. Yeah, I might just, try and like... See if I can help you out. Did you ever see that? Um, did you ever see the video where they these people pretended that they worked for a sandwich shop and they had to bring in the lettuces? What, for, uh, to go into Glastonbury? Yeah, so they had like this big bag of lettuce. <laughs> Hi, Esther. <laughs> they had a big bag of lettuce and they're like, sorry, I have to refill the shop, the sandwich shop, and then they got through. Oh my God, amazing. Loads of people do that, though. I know. I, I know a lot of people you just, oh, well, I I so but you get spun in, definitely, yep. but... I'm playing, so I'm not going to tell you yeah. to do that. <laughs> but, that is um, not a good idea. But all in all, yeah, one of the best experiences of my life. It was so so good, and I, I yeah, I, 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 I was speechless at times. Just and it was nice because I'm always listening to house music. A lot yeah. of the time, it was nice to go to concerts. Yeah, of like rock. I got there's this band they called Royal Blood who I'd never heard of before. They were before the Arctic Monkeys. Also, I felt like a 16 year old kid at the Arctic Monkeys. Absolutely loved it because I meant to see them play. Um, and they were unreal. As you see so many artists that you think, oh, I would have never gone to see them. And I I'm a big fan. I went to, well, I was working at Primavera Sound this year in Barcelona, and it was the same. There's obviously, there's like, you've got like a house of techno stages, yeah. but then it's proper like concerts. Yeah. And Blur were playing, and oh, I had, oh my God, the best time ever, like mm. front of the, uh, in front of the stage, like proper in the crowd. It's just yeah. such a whole different experience. 100%. Like, also, when I was watching Alex Turner from the Arctic Arti- Monkeys like, on stage, I was like, Mate, that is that's rock star. Like that's a yes. different level of like fame and like like I got on Hamza's shoulders and look back. The sheer size of the crowd that he's paying to is just like what insane. Like, and, and like flares are going off and like oh, I love it. Um, yeah, I, it, it's really got me back into like live music again. I went to see Bacar last night. Do you know Bacar? I don't know Bacar. Bacar. Have you seen the song again? Oh, um, where here? No, uh. uh Hammersmith Apollo, yeah. So I mean, it was really good, but it's made me want to go to more live stuff going to Glastonbury because I was neglecting it. What live concerts would you like to go and see? Well, some of me and my friends asked the question that if you had to choose your Glastonbury headliners three three oh days, who would you pick? It's quite a big question. But it's a massive question. I, I've always said if Oasis ever come back, I have to. Uh, I hope it happens, but I just don't know if it will. Be incredible. You know who one of mine is? Usher. I would die to see Usher. Because I just know so many of his songs. Usher would be great. I'd die to see Usher. Karangalin, do you know who Karangalin are? No. I said you who they are. They are, they are a band from America who are inspired by Thai funk from the 70s. And they play this really chilled, cool, acoustic easy music. But they are incredible. They are my favourite band. And I'm, tr- I'm forever trying to see Thai them. Thai funk. 
that's what they've been inspired by. If you look up Thai folk from the 70s, you'll hear this cool, chilled. Nice. And so I'll send you them after, but Karang Bin. If ever you're just having a chilled day, or if it's a rainy day, or you're on a bike, or you're on a boat, it's Karang Bin. That's a really good question. Like, you have some question. It's quite a big one. That's a really big I would definitely say Oasis as well. Yeah, 100%. She had always wanted to see in concert, Beyonce. Oh, you never seen Beyonce? Never seen Beyonce in concert. Oh, Beyonce's fabulous. She just puts on a real show. But that's it. I've seen Madonna and it was good, but I think Beyonce would be yeah. spectacular. Yeah, Beyonce. I'm always at Jamiroquai as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jamiroquai would be amazing. Yeah. Jamiroquai is a big one for me. Come on, up. Yeah. I used to love that. Now I've been to like rock concerts. Rock concerts are sick. Like Kasabian. Yeah, yeah. Arctic Monkeys was Arctic on the Monkeys. list. And then they are so aggressively, they're amazing. Yeah. Um trying to pick there's a bat there's a band called Jungle. Uh, Jungle. Yes. I've really want to see that. They were in London not long ago, but I was playing East Electric till the day. It's got to Oh no. Jungle, yes. they're sort of they're jazzy and they do these unbelievable music videos. Um I'm generally I'm really obsessed with recently Mario Bustay. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm obsessed with, but yeah. I really like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Don't know if it's a headline for Glastonbury, but... But, I mean, pick him I just to go see, see him. Frank yeah. yeah. wouldn't headline Glastonbury yet. Maybe they will one day, but yeah. no. Oh, there's just so many, isn't there? Yeah. Love music. <laughs> I want to talk about Homegrown. Okay. Yeah? Yes, well, we have to call it now Homegrown by Rossi. Okay, Homegrown by Rossi. I have, have to call it that. Because of uh, legal reasons. Legal reasons, yeah. That's my first lear- learning of the legal battle of the industry. So. Really? Yeah, as in, um, we just, I, I, I've been using, since since ever coming up with the idea of brand, homegrown was uh, the word I liked because I was always obsessed that people can be like inspired by like their surroundings, uh, like the food you eat, the music mm. you listen to, or the TV that you watch, the culture that you're from can inspire the sound that you made as an artist. So I was always more excited about listening to different kinds of styles within the realms of my stuff. Um, and so the idea of the word homegrown, people are homegrown from where they're from, do you know what I mean? And everything that there is in their environment. So that's where the word homegrown came from. And it was like, just, just for a radio show. Um, oh, so it didn't start off being a label. It was. It was. It started off because I got an o- offer to do a four-hour show on Abbey for Global Radio um, oh, years ago. Oh, yeah, then yeah. I, I... do you know? What? Sorry, just to yeah. interrupt you. I woke up half four this morning because um, I had food food poisoning the last couple of days, and I had oh, had the questions. And I woke up half four this morning, and I was like, and like I had some written down. I was like, I need to finish, and I couldn't think about like. You know, when you're just not well and you yeah, just can't yeah, get yeah. stuff out. So I got a half hour this morning and then I finished all the questions and I went back to sleep and I had a dream that uh, you you cancelled <laughs> because I was an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> and then I woke up and I was like, shit, Rossi's not coming. And then I was like, oh no, actually. When it's actually that real. Yeah, yeah. that is not how oh, real it was. I hate that moment. But I actually, know. sort of a sigh of relief. You go, fuck me. Thank God that wasn't real. And then I had a thought that we did a show with each other. I mean, that was the first time we met. Yeah. First time we ever met you, yeah. Which was in like 2013, 14 or 15? No, later than that. Was it? 16, 17. It would have been. So my, my question Maybe was, was what show was it for? Was it for It's All About the Music? I can't remember. Was it I beef a guy? I don't know. They just there was a four hour slot, or was it? Or is it? What's the other one? I beef. I beef a so- Sonica. I beef the Sonica. But if I wasn't working, I beef the Sonica. I worked I beef for Global Radio. But maybe it was I beef the Sonica that I got asked to do a show uh, for. As in, 
not no, not not played for you, as in like yeah. Or maybe it was I mean, but basically there was this Hamza had been given this opportunity where they had a four hour gap on this radio show, and they wanted an artist to do like a mi get mixes or get people on the show. So I was from being an actor, pretty good, and I'd always wanted to have my own like maybe little show, and so. The idea came where I'll do it and I'll get an artist on each time. It's like that, I had to get two artists every other month to do a mix each. And I, would, I wouldn't do a mix myself, or I did at first. Um, and then I'd introduce them, talk a bit about them and explain where they were from, uh, what their inspirations were, a bit about their sound. So that when you'd done a show, you would listen and hear a bit about the person. Because I used to hate that you'd listen to a mix, you wouldn't know anyone, anything about this person yeah. and things like that. Some people like that. I didn't. I wanted to know a little bit more about the artists I was listening to. I found it fascinating. So then I thought I'll start doing intros on my radio show, and that's so we needed a name for the for the show, and that's where Homegrown came came about. So it's a Homegrown radio show. Uh, and it's called today. And then yeah, and then it was like it was getting very long to do a four hour show, so we just called we just do it ourselves. So we stopped doing it with IB for. <clears throat> Sonic or Global Radio, I can't remember which one. <laughs> um, and just started doing it on my SoundCloud. And then uh, that's when the brand started. And the clothing brand came first. We started making jackets and... Uh, we just started making jackets because we thought they were just be cool. Hello, Esther. Hello. Hello. We've been talking about you on the podcast. Yeah, you were talking about how you, you were the person who sent my tracks to Jamie. When it, when it, when it, when it, she's about Take it about. You can buy in front of the camera if you want. <laughs> Very good. Well done. Um, um, so yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, it started, and then we yeah we we just thought we'd make these jackets <clears throat> just because they would just be cool to have jackets that no one else had that said homegrown on them, and then posted a picture on Instagram. Oh, they can't buy these jackets. And we thought, oh, we don't want anyone to have the jacket, so maybe we'll just make hoodies or t-shirts instead. So well, then, you just wanted to keep the jackets for yourself. Yeah, we wanted them to be our thing. Yeah, okay. That, that if yeah. you were in the if you were in the, the crew, the crew, you had them. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so then we started making jumpers and numbering them. Hamza's such a marketing genius. Numbered each one, so it'd make it each individual one. No, we done it with jackets, but with the with the capsules of the hoodies, we numbered each release. So the uh, one release, oh, two release, cool. and it has it the number on them. So then. Um, yeah, and then that's what, like, suddenly it was becoming this brand, homegrown. But, uh, and then it was like, oh, I should start a label. Because I've always, but I tried to not do it too soon. Yeah. I always take my time with things. I don't yeah. want to rush stuff. So after, a, yeah, a couple of years of doing the podcast, and then we had the clothes, for oh, I'll release on my own label. So we set up the label. Um, um, and then, yeah, uh, the label's been going, like, sort of really well. The release has gone well. I've got, like, the next release is in February. Um, I won't say who because I haven't announced it yet, but it's wicked. Being being be, being paid a lot by myself, um, Chris Dussy at the moment, and like loads of people go wild for it. But it's just going from strength to strength, and people were obsessed, especially with the clothing stuff. They were sitting out like man, and people were constantly messaging me, "When can I get the new T-shirt?" Which I'm like fascinated by. And also, you're learning so much from doing that, like starting to like. Man, get where you get your manufacturing done from, and like, yeah, it's a whole you. new world, yeah. Like, it's like it's another string to your bow, yeah. Like, and so, from starting a brand, I've always wanted to expand the brand instead of it just being a music thing, just have so many different sides to it. Um, 
But yeah, so it has to be, it's called Homegrown by Rossi. Yeah. Okay, so now, yeah. so we can't just say homegrown. It's homegrown. God, it has to be called Homegrown by Rossi because oh, there's cool, other, other people that have used the word homegrown and they, they sent us some shoddy words letters. Is that why your homegrown your Instagram has got the X instead of the I? No, that was just because homegrown was already taken on oh, Instagram. Okay. So we just put an X there where the O was and now that's now the thing. That's that. Loads of that's why I've got a dot at the end of my name. I like that. Yeah, Do a lot of people ask if you're Italian, by the way? Loads of people. Kind of false, like. Lo like, when I, I played the after Capacil last week, people even still go to me. Oh, Rosie. I'm a Rosie Bell. Oh, of course, they're there too. I know a little bit, but that's as yeah, bad as I know. Really? Yeah, they all, they all think I'm a This guy, he come up to me at after Capacil the like, second or third time I played there, he was like, Rosie? I was like, yeah, he's like, you're not Rosie. And I was like, yes, I am. And he's like, Rosie, Italiano. I was like, see. Sí. And I was like, I'm not Italian, but. That's I am Rossi, um, and then it, it, he was like, walked away, and then after the gig, seeing you play, he was like, you're Rossi. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's me. Um, but that came, my auntie was Italian, she passed away now, but she, whenever I would go to her, she would always call me Rossi. Rossi where that came from? Yeah, she, she, oh, where's she from? She plays for Roggio um, in Italy, and she would always call me Rossi, like, as a nickname, and then when me and the Humbles were thinking of names, we had some awful names. RMK was an option. What's uh, okay. uh, Goldilocks. Goldilocks? Yeah, because curly hair. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else was there? Uh, oh, uh, imagine. Just, just Gold... Mac. Just Mac. Just Mac. Yes. What's Just Mac? Because uh, McCormack is my second name, so Just Mac. Just Mac. Didn't come up. And then, so Rossi, and Hans was like, we have to imagine it on like a fly or something. And then Rossi came out, and it was great because it didn't sound English. It didn't want to sound English. But then the reason there's a dot was because on Beatport you can't have the same name as someone. There was already a Rossi from years ago. So oh, I just said to Hamza, I don't want to be Rossi UK. Yeah. Like, can we just put a dot at the end? And it works. So we're like, so that's that's how a it's dot has to be able to. So yeah, now that's like become the, the marketing. Do you don't actually know if there are any other DJs that have that dot at the end? Either? I know there's yeah. people that have like the caps. Like, yeah, different. Like yeah. And... But now we've started making it into a marketing thing, so like we've made these homegrown sunglasses, and on it, on the front of them, it says, can you see the dot? Oh. We're just trying to make it into a thing instead of just be like, oh, there's a dot there. Interesting. Make a thing out of it. And I think it stands out on, on a... Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's a point. Bosh. Up here. Bosh. How did the first homegrown event go? Really well. It was the most... That, I'm was, sorry, I can't say the name of the venue. How do you pronounce that word? Arcelormittal Orbital is what it's called. I don't know what Arcelormittal means, yeah. but yeah, it's so it's basically yeah, the biggest art structure in Europe. In Europe, and uh, it was an idea that Abe I've had for like five years. Whenever I I drive past it a lot, and my friend Dion was like, I think you could do events up there. He was like, I think I've seen some corporate events. He was like, you should do a party up there one day said it to me years ago and I've always kept it in the back of my mind that if I ever done a party that would be the first place I'd do it and then like power of manifestation someone that I know who I told about the idea of doing it then said he knew the general manager the guy who just become wow. the general manager of that place so then he was like do you want to do a party here? yes no one's ever done it and apparently there were some other brands who were trying to get into it so I was very very lucky at the timing that I got so they approached us earlier this year and we weren't going to start the parties until next year. So it sort of fast-tracked it. And again, I was like, let's do it. And again, I was a bit scared by the fabric thing. 
Um, I was like, fuck it, let's go, try it. So it's always Hamza just going, go on. Go on, do it, and do I'm it, like, do it. Oh, like dropping in the pile. Oh, all right, fuck it. That's bad. But yeah, it was amazing. It's just putting on your own event. Another thing, you're just learning like, yeah. you know, like, oh, it's just, it's a whole different ball game, yeah, especially from just being a DJ. Just, there's so much to think about. Oh, I kept thinking, I was like, I hope no one dies. That's just what I kept thinking. I was like, is the structure going to fall over? Is the structure going to fall over? Yeah, because I was Wait, so... Wait, had scared. they done a raise in there before, though? They had done mix mag stuff in there. Okay. And that, that was the only, but it was private, so it wasn't like a proper ticketed event ever done in there before. Okay. So I was like... Oh, my God. And I was like, people are idiots, you know, and I don't want... I just... You're thinking of all the things that could go wrong. Is the sound going to cut out? Because how much power does this building have? How am I going to get the speakers up there? You're only got this tiny lip. But it became like so much to think about. Um, and luckily, I've got a very good team of Hamza and some of who works with me called Amy. And it was brilliant. And just like, we just really worked it. And it came off very, very well. And you learn things. It didn't, there was things that went wrong, like in any event. Of course. But as a first event, I was so proud of it. And like, we live streamed it all. So... Well, we recorded it all, so we're going to be, be putting out the sets online. Um, and again, that was a moment I was stood behind the decks, and I had done the first set and the last set, showing off to doing two sets. But um, <laughs> I yes, thought it would be—I thought I'd, it'd be nice to open my own party and yeah, do the first like an hour and a half, so that when people walk in, they're like, and the sun was setting at that time, so it was really cool. And I had this moment where I'd worked so hard at getting this event going, and I was like, I can't again, I can't fucking believe this is happening, like. I'm behind these decks in an iconic place in London doing my own party. And then people start walking in. I'm like, oh, there he is. But it was just fascinating. Like, and it was another moment where I was like, how have I got it? How has this happened? You know what I mean? Like, uh, But it was amazing. And everyone at the party was sound. It was full of really good people. Like good vibes, good energy. Good vibes, good energy. People were so up for it. And like, I think when you're in a very... Uh, obscure venue people's minds open up yeah. a bit and they just want to have fun and that was like a yeah it was a special moment this year wow. doing that it's been a lot of good moments this year we've had loads of special moments so i breaking that with the two big yeah. ones another special moment i want to talk about this year and just kind of going back to the radio thing is that you're a resident on rings of fem this year and now just become a resident well you've yeah. just come from about from yeah just i recorded my first one today and was how was great. that very good it's, it's, it's great. I was doing a proper like, yeah, keep it locked, keep it mixed. Yeah. Yeah, that felt very cool. Oh, I love uh, it. You know what I mean? Flicking it off, yeah, shout out, yeah. Did you do any shout outs? Just anyone whose music I was playing, I was like, yeah, big up. <laughs> 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 Trying to be very cool. Not very cool. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. And it's, yeah, it's cool. Very cool to be to be asked to be a resident for it. Like, uh, it's like, it's always been a, yeah, a staple part of like, the London sort yeah. of, uh, and in the industry anyway, but um, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's kind of nice this year, just doing a lot of London crowd stuff, like Fabric, being, now being a resident of Berlin's, and I do it, so I'm doing it every, it's like every second month, the first Saturday. Every yeah. second month, the first Saturday? Every first Saturday, Saturday of every second month. Okay. Let's just go. <laughs> so imagine today, imagine it comes out this weekend, yeah. I, my next show won't be until February. February. That's how they do it because they have so many that residents. Yeah, that makes so sense. Every, yeah, every, so cool every though. first Saturday of every second month, and it's really cool. And it's gonna be a. But this isn't. But you're calling this Rossi. This is yeah, this is me. I might have guests on it. I might have okay. someone come and guest mix and stuff. But 
Yeah, this is the home. The homegrown by Rossi stuff stays with my sound belt. Okay. Um, and I'll still, I'm still got guests coming in on that as well. So there's like loads of channels about this that we're doing. How much do you love doing radio? Because I just, it's like my favorite thing in the world. Oh, it's great. It's so much fun. And it's, uh, it's no, it's nerve wracking getting it all right and the buttons and stuff because like you know you're live or something. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, but I think I it's so it. nice having a space like. It's not like going to a club where you have like a specific time that you have to be playing for or a certain crowd or a yeah. certain space. It's like, this is actually your space to curate whatever you want. Yeah, and also for me, it's nice as a, on radio that I can play some music that I don't often play in the clubs. So that's a bit, yeah, maybe just exactly. down more down tempo or showing, like showing new coming artists their music and giving them a platform. And that's what I like, uh, like about having the show, do you know what I mean? That's what I'm going to try to do. And like, I want to have, I'm going to try and break into sections where I do like, introductions where of like newcomers songs and explain a bit about them and then do the mix at the end or get someone in to do a mix so it's like a proper radio show instead of just doing a mix is it an hour show you're ready two hours oh so it gives you that gives you that time freedom to do it so yeah yeah it's cool it was cool walking into rinse and doing that yeah very exciting another exciting moment this year which both me and esther were at and um wow it was so much fun brett oh brett yeah brett yeah. Brett. Brett was unbelievable. Yeah, that was like a best place on earth. It was it was an amazing day. We partied. Um, we partied. It was very good. We were very excited that day. <laughs> and it's also because like everyone in the industry is together just having yes. like a proper vibe. And that was a good crew that day. Like everyone was like really and that day was my final day at AD, so I'd fire I'd had like four gigs at AD. Yeah. Really busy. And then obviously finishing on doing Joseph's party, Joseph Carriati's party. Yeah, Brett. Which Again, that was another moment where I'm like, oh, fuck, is this all happening? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And again, I think Capriati um, is an artist that you've, like, followed and yeah. gone... Try. I think oh. I read a post where she said I would. I travelled the world to go and see yeah, him. Yeah, like, it's, you know, it's, it's funny when you play on people's lineups like that, even, like, Jamie or something, he's like, I've paid so much money to see you <laughs> in my life. Do you know what I mean? In now, now, yeah. now I'm before you or, like, yeah. so that, that's always a very... Surreal. And, like, I'd been to Joseph's party at Brett for the numerous years that I've been to ADE. So when I got I got a call asking, saying that, he's, that the team had been talking about someone they wanted to play before Joseph and it was me, I said, no way. Like, wow, why? why? Like, that's so good. Um, and it went amazing, amazingly. And that, in true Joseph style, he turned up like two hours late. So <laughs> I played for like four hours. So playing four hours at like one of the clubs up is my favourite clubs in the world. Yeah. Before, before that, him and just in front of an amazing crowd it was such a special morning. So the rest of that day, I was just on such a high. Uh, it was so much fun. And yeah, I'm just um, enjoying myself. <laughs> yeah, we all did. Yeah. I think we all enjoyed ourselves. Yeah. Do you see what I mean when I started this podcast and I said, you have done so many things this year. Now that we've had this four hour conversation, uh, you see how many things you do? Yeah, it is. It is, yeah. It is a, it's good. It is good. Yeah. Okay, what three things you look forward to in 2024? Three things I'm looking forward to. Um, or three goals for 2024. Goals. Uh, so, basically, more frequent releases on my label, which is helpful. And so that's like, I really want to build the brand even more. I want to take it to the next step. And same with events. So we've got some wicked events lined up. Okay. Um, which I'm really excited about. And goals... <sighs> Just, this sounds really bad, but just like, stay healthy and good. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like 
I really want to just make sure I'm just all right mentally and things like that, which sounds like such a cliche answer, but no. it's, it's, it's a massive thing I'm even working on of just being, trying to just make sure you're focusing on the right things in the yeah. industry, not the wrong things, you know? Um, and that's like something I, um, yeah, definitely like I'm focusing on, and especially as I'm getting older in the industry. Um, goals, I don't know. How old are you? 28. I'm, yeah, I'll be 20, I'll be 29 at the end of this month. Oh yeah, you're supposed to say, you'll be 25 in December. December. What are you? Like, almost. Oh, I thought that's what you were. Uh, no. You're high-fiving me, I think. I just, 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 I Looking forward to and to be back at Ibiza, but even though it's just a wild time, it's ahead of the wild time. Yeah, um, I could sit and chat here with you for hours, to be honest. Yeah, I could as well. Let's let's keep going. <laughs> Sorry, Esther. No, no, to um, I always ask everybody at the end of the of the podcast because the podcast is called Can You Put Me on Guest List? Yeah. Uh, if you have a guest list rule, uh, oh, mate, this is such a great question because. This year, I've really come into like the world of like the amount of spam you get from people you don't know, oh, who maybe don't even follow you, who are asking you. Oh, here's one. I got a message from someone while I was at Glastonbury asking me to get their mum into Glastonbury while I was inside Glastonbury, and I was like, "What? <laughs> no way!" Like. Wait a minute, let me just go and ask. Do you know how hard it is to get anyone into Glastonbury? And I guess it's because they, they, they knew I was playing, so I don't, uh, they might have thought there's an exception, but it's like a fortress there. You have to go through five layers of like different things to get in. Um, but my rules are uh, straight to, be straight to the point. Don't mm-hmm. mess around. Like don't, don't pretend you're having this fake conversation oh, because yeah, you yeah. want to hang out with me or see me again or, or like whatever I like. Just don't make something up and then go, oh, by the way. And because as soon as you hear the by the way, you go, oh, it's all you ever wanted. Yeah. It just, yeah. Yeah. So don't do that. Just come straight to the point. Uh, send the names in a nice list so you can just copy and paste it. Without little lines. Yeah. We didn't. It's just perfect, easy, nice list. Nothing else. No. Um, one, send, one. And just like respect if you do know me. If you don't know me and we've never really met and it's like... I, you, and you don't even follow me on, on social media. I get that a lot with random people who don't even follow me or support me, really. So, oh, can I have a guest list for this? No, you can't. Just buy a ticket, man. Yeah, uh, exactly. exactly. If you really wanted to come, you would have bought a ticket exactly. at the time. People, loads of people just think, oh, well, wait till two days before, I'm just going to ask. Don't, and, and don't ask the other day. Do you know the crazy the thing is, though? One. Imagine you worked at like, a restaurant or some or somebody works at a hotel or something. You'd never just message them going, can I have a free meal tonight? Yeah, it's, can I have a free room tonight? Yeah, that's what I mean. It's the same thing. Like, so, it's just, uh, but yeah, don't, don't the likely, yeah, fine, don't ask on, on the day. Like, because it's just usually not going to happen. Literally, everybody gives that up. So yeah, 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 I bet. <laughs> give them. Yeah. Right, just to end, I'm going to give you, I'm going to say a word, and you just got to say the first word that comes to your mind. Ready? Nice. Don't look at my list. Don't okay. Ready? Got London. Fabric. Ibiza. Ross. <laughs> Saturday. Night fever. Email. Train. Beer. Fest. Fruit. Lobster. <laughs> so that's what I thought. <laughs> New York. Pizza. Pancakes. Fader syrup. Joseph Capriati. Brett. 
Paradise. Jam jams. Lemon. Herbs. Fabric. All night long. Pen. Right. Football. Tottenham. Yes. <laughs> Homegrown. Bioshi. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a Spurs fan? I'm a Spurs fan. Oh, I've, I've, I've tried to never tell anyone who I support. <laughs> I actually bit... saw a picture of you at, uh, did, who did you go with? I can't remember. To Tottenham, yeah, with Hamza and Mark Lester. Mark? Yeah, yeah Mark, because that was Mark, the most Canadian man ever. Like, oh, I really like these games. <laughs> like, he was like, oh, they really shout at each other. Like, I was just like, oh, you're in for a ride. Right. You're Tottenham Chelsea. You were Tottenham Chelsea. Fucking nuts. Like, and he was like, the atmosphere is amazing, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm just like, what's yeah. going on now? They're doing so well. Oh, Let's yeah. not talk about it. We, like, we, well, this is my dad's pissed off at me because I finally got to go to a Spurs game this season. And the game <laughs> I went to, we have four players went off. One player got red card. And now all of our players are injured and we lost 4-1. And I'm like, you'll never come to Spurs again. So you're a fan. So you've jinxed it. I've j- I'm the reason that Spurs are losing at the moment, probably. But yeah, I've tried not to tell people I'm a Spurs fan because everyone hates Tottenham. I and know. So, like, well, if, me, if people find out, oh, he's, Rossi's a Spurs fan. Fuck that geezer. Do you know what I mean? My um, family are massive Spurs fans. Yeah. My, my dad. My dad has been a season ticket holder forever. So oh, I used to go loads. But now I work at the weekend. It's just sort of impossible. Live. But I've noticed yeah, if I don't watch Spurs, we play better. So I've, I've watch actually it been anymore. doing a thing where I just, don't watch it. I don't know, I watch a match of the day and we seem to do all right. <laughs> now we know what's happening. Now we know. Fuck, fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> it was so nice to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you, you so, so much. And I'm excited for your uh, 2024. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited for it. Thank you for having me. Thank this you. This is very special. Bye. Ciao.